On this week's episode, I clear up a mistake from last week's episode. Tim shares the importance of Christian meditation, and we give you some helpful on-ramps to get you started. All that and more on today's episode of Goodwill Talk. So, Tim, I... Uh I made a mistake. I made a mistake last week on the podcast. You did. I did. I didn't know I was making the mistake, but um, some things have been happening here at Goodwill Church, um, and that includes the new website, mm-hmm. right? What do you think of the new website, by the way? Have you spent any time on it? Not a ton of time, but what I've seen, I really like. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's inviting and, and easily accessible, and I really liked how we've kind of laid out the, hey, just give us some time. It's a it's a yes. it's a framework that we are improving regularly. Right, uh, I think the, that's a helpful piece of information to to m- take with us. Migrating from one piece of the world of the internet to another piece of the world of the internet, like for us who use it, it's just well, it's goodwillchurch.org. but the entire platform that built that built the website is changed. Right, and so it takes something called migration to migrate stuff from one to the other, and. Um, one of the things we did not migrate over just for time and for um, ease was the Revelation Bible study. And so we spent all this time talking about the Revelation Bible study, which was great. And then I said, if you want to listen to it, go online. And I got an email from somebody, shout out to Ruth, who said, I went online. It's not there. <laughs> and so I just need to apologize first. I didn't realize it hadn't migrated over. Hopefully it'll migrate over soon. But again, it's a process. We're having to be, build this thing again. Um, but Tyler Mackler reached out. He's been uh, helping us with this migration process. And he said, hey, um, if somebody wants this, we have the files. Mm. So just let us know and we'll get you the files. So I'm going to be emailing Ruth the files and make Perfect. sure she's got it. But that just a heads up for people who are like, hey, um, I tried to do the thing you told me to do and I couldn't do it. Well, that's because Marcos made a mistake. Well, there you go. Didn't know how. You made another it? mistake last week, too. Really? You did. Yeah. What's that mistake that I made, Tim? You said the day after the Super Bowl would be the best day of your life. I said it could have been the best or the worst. You did say that, but I just... And I it was to, neither. I... <laughs> it was neither. It was not the worst day of my life. That Super Bowl, I know we're we're a week um, removed from it now, and, and I'm sorry you have to deal with this, but um, I'm sitting here in an Eagles hat, so we're going to talk you about are. it. Um, man, that was a good game. It was a great game. It was a wonderful game that ended in the worst possible way. Like, because here's well, the thing. It depends on how you see it. No, but it, it, but it doesn't. Because here's the thing. You didn't like the call. I the last. Not only did I not like the call. People who do, didn't watch the game don't have a clue. What it, what the call meant was that we had the final two minutes of the Super Bowl taken away, dedicated to kneel downs. Mm-hmm. Which just like I don't, I don't care if you're a neutral. I don't care if you're a Chiefs fan. That's not how you want to watch the end of the. You don't want the last two minutes of this thrilling Super Bowl to be any kneel down. Well, and he need to kneel down, and then he kneeled down. Yes and no, <laughs> because if, if, if they didn't kneel down and they somehow lost because they made a mistake, they would be hearing, oh. they'd be hearing about that forever. Oh, I completely it, it get right, that. It was the right play. It was the right absolutely right play. Like from a strategy perspective, if I'm the coaches of the Chiefs, that's what I'm doing. No question. Yeah. As a fan, it's boring to have to sit there. Like the last two minutes was supposed to be like the apex, the thrill, the amazing moment, and it was kneel downs. It'd be like going to a symphony orchestra and you're listening to them build up, build up, and build up. And then the final moment 
that you can tell has been building to is an oboe playing a single note for two straight minutes. Yeah, but if that oboe was the Philadelphia Eagles and not the Kansas City Chiefs, I bet you'd be like, it was a beautiful melody. <laughs> well, I would definitely be less critical, but I just, it, it was, it was just a boring end of the game. That was because it was a great game. But it was a, little a bit very of a, good game. I yeah, agree with you. Boring ending. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. Um, and I hope people enjoyed the massive Super Bowl party that happened at Rob Herb's house. I'm just going to get one last little piece of juice out of that joke that Ken started. I don't know how many weeks ago. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a great weekend and, uh, the congregational meeting, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Mm -hmm. Um, congregational meeting was great. You know, it was, it's always fun getting everybody together. Um, I know, yeah, you're chuckling cause it's a congregational meeting and they're boring, but no, I don't find not it that boring. Of that. I'm not chuckling of that. I just thought it was a good meeting. It's well, here's I thought it was a very good meeting. I, I, I like... thought there was energy in the room and it was, it was yeah. fun. So mm -hmm. it was, I think it went really well. Well, and, and it is fun getting everybody from the various locations into one space, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. and I, I know not everybody from the, from the mission churches were able to come. I get it. But, um, for those of you who did come from the mission churches, I hope that you enjoyed your time there, uh, at, at the congregational meeting. And, you know, it's, it is rare in our system to get all of the pastors up front in front of you to talk a little bit. And so, um, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed Absolutely. that. Yeah. yeah. What was, what was your favorite part of the congregational meeting, Tim? I think um, I really enjoyed uh, Dave Bregina. Oh, I, I that, well, hold on, hold on. The young Dave yeah, Bregina. Yeah, well, I was teasing him about that. He's David the Younger. Yeah. But we, we don't have <laughs> Who's David, David the, the Older. We don't, we don't have a David the Older. <laughs> He's yes. just the Younger. Yeah. Oh, we do have, we'd have Joe the Elder because Joe is the oldest elder. Okay. Yeah. So we were yeah, talking about that the yeah. other day. So it was. Uh, so, but it's not exactly the same. Oh, Dave the Younger. Yeah. But what's great about that? I said Pliny will be jealous. <laughs> what's great? <laughs> Two people got that. Joke. Yeah, yeah. No one gets uh, that joke. But we'll, we'll just look it up. Um, what's great about him being called Dave the Younger is that um, because there's no elder, he'll always be Dave the Younger. He could be 89 years old as the clerk of session. You know what? He's Dave the Younger because that's just what he's been labeled. Anybody who comes after him is going to be like Dave the Third. And they're going to ask, who was Dave the Elder? He doesn't exist. That's Dave the Younger. I like that. He's stuck with that forever. There could be a Dave the Even Younger. Yeah, like Dave the Third. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Look but they, instead of saying Dave the Third, they might just say Dave the Even Younger. The Even Younger. And then what, you just start adding evens? Like it's our version of Roman numerals? Even, 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 even. You know, if you don't come up with the joke, you have to make fun of it. What do you want from me? What do you want? <laughs> I want you to talk about the subject today. <laughs> oh, you want it? Fine. All right. Man, Tim is such a party pooper. All right. Uh, yeah, because I don't want to talk about the congregational meeting. I want to talk about the subject. I thought the congregational meeting was great. Though. Seriously, it was a lot of fun, and it was pleasantly fun. That's cool. I like that. You, you expect it to be dreary because you're going to hear reports. Um, but there was a certain energy in the room. And I'm appreciative of that. All right. Well, good job trying to rescue that. Um, let's get to work. All right. We are diving in now to our conversation on uh, what are we talking about? Should we get the music? Like, like the It'll transition be there. Music? You don't have to do it with your mouth. <laughs> what is that? Oh my goodness! Uh, you tried to do a wall last week on your own. Oh, you actually—that was a to, rookie move, and you did it. You so. tried to do the interlude music. I did. Yes, with your face. 
not with my face, just with my mouth. Where is your mouth? It's on my face. Right, then. But I didn't your do it with my nose. I, did I, it. I, I'm pretty sure that in order for your mouth to have done that, the rest of your face had to be involved. It's not like oh my it's gosh, not like stop. the rest of the muscles Stop in your face and move just on went to the dead. subject at hand. Wow. <laughs> you did it with your whole face. Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> now, killing me, man. Let's go to work. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about meditation. Meditation. We talked about prayer. Yes. Yeah, a couple of weeks back, we talked about prayer. And now we're talking about meditation. Talking about meditation. And, um, you know, I guess that's that opens us up to the very first question that maybe you can can walk us through. Um, what is the difference between those two things? What's the difference between prayer and meditation? Because I think that in, in uh, some ways of having this conversation, we conflate them into the same thing. Um, but they are distinct. They're related to each other, but they're distinct. So I wonder if you could walk us through that distinction a little bit. Well, I think that's the, the place where you start. They are definitely related. There's a great deal of overlap. Um, I don't think, I think you can have prayer without meditation, but I'm not convinced you could have meditation without prayer. Okay. Um, I think that, well, probably let's just say this. Biblical Christian meditation, that's probably, you know, traditionally when you talk about meditation, you make that distinction. So there's sure, sure. there's meditation that we see in a variety of other practices that sometimes are referred to as religious, other times just um, meditation. And uh, largely speaking, the, the notion is, a, is an effort to, quote unquote, empty your mind, which is very, well, fundamentally, we, we would say in, in Christendom, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, that's impossible. Uh, the goal here is instead to fill your mind with scripture, to be intentional. Um, that's the that's the distinction. But so doing that means that if I'm thinking deeply on the things of God, I think that's a definition by um, um, how his name is escaping me now. Oh, I'm what, glad what, you brought him up then. Yeah, thank you for it's that. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. one of the no. one of the many spiritual uh, discipline or means of grace guys. Um, say that. Not, say not, that definition again. Um, meditation is thinking deeply about the things of God for the purposes of understanding is one, and two is application of the of what you understand. Mm. But three is for prayer. Okay. So part of the definition is to say that meditation is the thing that kind of leads us into prayer. The, the more deeply I think about the Word of God, the more I'm inclined to pray to God about this Word. Could we so. say then that that our our efforts in prayer um, are not as as uh, vital as they would be if we began in a place of meditation? Like if we just launch right into prayer, are we missing something that really deepens our prayer life if we don't begin first in a place of meditation? Um. Because the way you just described it, it sounded like prayer is an is an outflow of meditation. Yeah, and and so yeah, yeah and that's, was, that's largely a Puritan construct, and I yeah you know, I, I get that and agree with that. So you know, there's some bias there because I, I I hold to those sure convictions. But that's the beauty of a podcast, Tim. Yeah, you get to put all your biases out there and just run with them. <laughs> it's great. You're a Puritan guy. Yeah, but at any rate, I think uh, yes, I do think that there's some that you could say that there your like I said before, you can pray without meditation. I don't think you can meditate without prayer. Okay. I, I don't think that, I think meditation is cut short if it doesn't result in a crying out to, uh, uh, a call to God, a uh, 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 request for insight, uh, for conviction of sin and confession that comes from meditating on certain passages, for uh, a joy that's that receives, uh, that's from the comfort that certain passages give. 
um, uh, a compassion for the lost from certain passages. You may be praying for people mm -hmm. who are uh, unbelievers, people in your family, uh, and your heart goes out to that, um, and you're thinking deeply on that passage, and it's unsettling, okay, terrifying even, or greatly comforting, and you go to the Father, who is mm -hmm. the source of all those things. So the prayer emanating out of meditation, in my mind, is probably a, a richer expression of prayer. But I don't, I don't yeah. think you can go so far as to say you can't have it, otherwise I think you can. Sure, I, I yeah. Think there's a, so, yeah, that's how I would answer okay. that. So. So, so in your own life, I'm just curious about this. When you, um, you know, we, we shared before that both of us have, have struggled with prayer. We welcome people into, the, into the, the journey of figuring out prayer, even when it's not necessarily easy or natural for us. Mm -hmm. um, do you practice meditation? And, and if so, like, what does that look like for you? Uh, I, I do. I'm not great at it. Um, so in no particular order of importance, a couple of things come to mind when I look at my practice, quote unquote, because it's I'm not great at it. But sure. what I would say is, yes, I do. Um, part of my practice is a recognition of the of all of the times when I don't practice it well. Mm. So let me let me unpack that a little bit. What I, what I mean by that is, um, I tend to say this a lot. If you think you're not good at meditation, that you don't have the skill set to do it, you're wrong because almost every human being on earth is good at meditation. Okay. But because we're sinful, we tend to meditate on all the wrong things. If you think deeply about uh, a conflict you had at work or uh, mm. um, an interaction with someone that you wish you said something different, so you perseverate on that event over Ooh, and word. over and over and over again, and you say, you know, I rehearsed the speech a thousand times. That's meditation. Interesting. You're thinking deeply about something and devoting your time to it and contemplating and thinking about what you'd say. And that's meditation. Okay. But oftentimes it's negative because it's about getting back at somebody if you're angry or something yeah. like that. Um, so it's not the skill set, it's the content. Yeah. Right. So it's, so I just got to take all of the stuff that I want to meditate on and replace it with the word of God. That's gold. Because it, it, it attaches it, it, it attaches the idea of meditation to um, what we say about worship, right? We are all worshipers. What matters is what we are worshiping, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, same idea. Or who Absolutely. we are worshiping. So that, that same idea is a, is a great connection. We are all meditating on things. Mm -hmm. It's filling our minds with the correct things. Right. That is Christian meditation. Right, yeah. Um, it, for somebody who, who would say, all right, I understand the distinction between um, Christian meditation and different other religions or worldly meditation where you're emptying your mind. But they say to you, my mind is always full. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of my mind being this full. I need time to, um, to meditate by emptying my mind. Right. How would you respond to something like that? I would say, well, what do you do? And is your mind actually empty? I, I don't know that you can say that. I mean, I know people um, in my life who tell you that, that, you know, they need to rest, because, but they can't shut their mind off. Right. Right. I, I hear the opposite complain a lot. Uh, I just need to unwind to, to chill out. So I'll put a TV show on so I don't have to think. But you are thinking. You're thinking about the TV show. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just something easier. You're, I don't know that I do know. I don't want to be overly negative. I, it, I don't think it's physiologically possible 
to think about nothing. Right. You can think about the concept of nothing, but you're thinking about something, right? <laughs> and not that's going to make your brain hurt. Yeah, not to, not to get <laughs> philosophical, but just like that's like right. the point, right? It's I don't think you can do it. So, so it's, um, you know, you want to relax, so you turn the TV on. I get that. As I'm as guilty as anybody with that. But you're putting things in your mind that are not always good. Most sure. of the time, not, right? Right. So I, I would think meditating on the things of God um, would be, if you're struggling to sleep, I would meditate on um, some of the Psalms that talk about the mm. sweetness of sleep, mm. you know, or, you know, the, the, I mean, I think Psalm 6 might be an example. I'm not certain. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Probably too late for that. You're probably already quoting me on it, but. Yeah, no, it's on Twitter the, already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, put it right out there. Yeah. The comments are uh, brutal, by the way. Yeah. That took, <laughs> that took a nanosecond. So, but I just think, uh, you know, that's, that's where I would go. Um, I would say this though, too. I think the other part of the, the question that you asked me is, do I practice it? And I think um, the struggle here is another Puritan thing that I, that I value a great deal is the, the Puritans, um, held to a, a concept called occasional meditation, okay, which doesn't sound like what it, what we would think of at first, but what they what they mean by that is um, they would take advantage of any occasion, mm. right, to meditate. Okay, so um, they have a conversation and something about scripture is in front of them. They're in the they're out in nature and they see the beauty of of creation. And they would contemplate and think about yeah. that and give glory to God in their mind. They're thinking about God as creator for that. They're taking the the occasions that come their way um, as an exercise, an opportunity to exercise meditation. But they would say this definitively, and I would agree, you can't occasionally meditate well if you're not deliberate in your meditation regularly. Mm. So they would say, look, here the goal is regular, intentional, scheduled, devotional time that includes meditation on the Word of God. So yeah. reading the Word of God, and the Puritans, you know, there's two schools of thought about Scripture, right? You can read it in big chunks, which is very valuable. Mm -hmm. But the Puritans would also say, um, you'd be better off to read something smaller and give yourself time to meditate on that such that it would lead to prayer, yeah. rather than reading big chunks and then forgetting about it 30 minutes later. Well, I... Um, so so the, the deliberate intentional regular practice builds in the skill set to be able be able to occasionally mm -hmm. practice meditation and yet remain biblical in your efforts to do it i'm gonna i'm gonna do the annoying both and thing because i i think these two schools of of thought and how you study the scriptures don't have to be mutually exclusive from one no, another. no they right? don't no I'm, I'm all in for that too. yeah I think there's a place for reading it ch big chunks i but. think i think we want to be reading in larger chunks just so that we can get the the, the breadth of the biblical story, you no know, question. And, but no I question. do think that um, what, what I encourage people to do as they're doing the, their Bible reading, read your large chunks, large chunks, but, but be aware of what the spirit might point it, point out yeah. in that process. Mm -hmm. That's what you meditate on now for the next little while. Right. Yeah. So that verse that jumped out at you, there's a reason it jumped out at you. That's not just mm -hmm. a coincidence. That's right. the spirit right. alive using his living word to impact you. Right. So Absolutely. receive it, mm -hmm. meditate on that, and see how the Lord might really yeah. um, develop yeah. that in you. Yeah. And I think the larger chunk reading also helps you um, intellectually to get a better grip on where you are mm. so that you're not making assumptions about the context because you're right. just pulling a verse or two out. I, so I'm all in for the larger reading, but I'm, I also get the argument that says you're better off 
you're not for one meditation, or the other, yeah, for meditation for, purposes, yeah. for the devotional aspect of your life and for meditation purposes, you're in the word to dwell deeply on a smaller section of it. Yeah. And the Puritans used to say, you know, if, uh, the, the old fashioned language is something along the lines, like if your meditation is cold, it's because it hasn't been warmed. Or if your Bible reading is cold, mm. it's because it hasn't been warmed by the fires of meditation. We, we don't talk like that today, but there's, but there's something rich about it. There's we should really talk be, about things yeah. that way. There's, there's, you know, that's the, Good language. Because we don't, I think we're, we're in a rush. I know I am lots of times. Yeah. And I'm a pastor, and I'm, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I've got other things i got to think about mm -hmm. doing. So I sometimes rush past the devotional to the study part. Well, and let's, you know? let's consider that, um, that analogy, right? The, the, your scripture reading is cold because it's been warmed by the fires of meditation. Um, if, you, if you take that into a literal word picture here, mm -hmm. warming something by the fire, it takes time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It ta and and that we are rushing. Meditation requires us to slow down. It is God's way of saying stop moving so fast. Yeah. Sure. You're missing me mm -hmm. in the in the energy expense that you're giving to the world because you're moving so quickly that you can't see me. Right. Um and and that's a, I think a huge thing um for people to to say, you know what? You think you don't have enough time for this but you do sure you really do you don't have to be going at mach 7 all the time yeah and i think that's a that really boils down to um a theology of sabbath yeah which is lost in our culture absolutely yeah, and that so. that might be another episode we could do down the road that'd be a fun one that'd to, be to a, talk about probably a valuable um, one so you know so i i think one of the things that i found in my meditation um i i, I start i felt guilty about it for a time but I've stopped feeling guilty about it. And I want to get your feedback on this. Um, and this is a little bit of insider baseball for, for pastors, but it's good for the congregation to hear this. One of the things that I am taught, that I was taught in seminary, and I, you may have been taught the same thing, maybe you weren't, but I was taught, do not use your sermon text in your devotional life or in your meditation. Meditate on other passages of the scripture. Don't use the sermon text. Mm -hmm. But I find myself meditating on the sermon text because I've been studying it. Mm -hmm. And so it begins to marinate. Yeah. And now I'm now I'm using it. And and I used to be like, I shouldn't be doing that because I was taught, don't do that. It it makes the Bible too academic or it makes your devotional life too academic. Da 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 da. But here's what I realized. We ask the congregation every other Christian in the building to come in, hear the sermon with the text, and then spend the next week meditating on what we just taught them. Why am I accepted from that? I shouldn't be. I'm doing that up front, but I'm, I'm a part of this congregation as the pastor. Mm -hmm. If I'm asking everybody else to meditate on the text, I should be meditating on that text as well in worship and in devotion, not just in study. And so I, that could have been unique to my seminary teaching yeah. me that, but it's something that I, I felt some guilt about as a pastor initially. And then I, I just came to a place where I'm like, I'm going to meditate on my preaching text because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If I'm really studying this text, I'm mm -hmm. going to be sitting in it. That's fair. Yeah. I don't I, know what you have to think about that. Um, I feel like I heard something similar, but I'd probably just make a slight nuance on it. I don't, I don't think it for me, it was don't meditate on, on the text don't replace your devotional time with the text. 
I, I think it was a little bit more um, what I remember taking away, although I don't know if it was specifically said that way. In other words, it, it first for many it can get easy to just kind of sort of conflate your devotional time so that all you're doing is being in, in the text because you don't have time for anything else, right? So you get busy, so you're like, all right, so I'm going to devote, I'm going to have my devotional time be in my, so I'm kind of, you know, kind of killing two birds with one stone, if you will, right? And I think so you're doing devotional work, but you're also in your passage, so you're preparing. And I think there, I think there is a push away from that. And I value that. I also value it because I think um, we said this two weeks ago, or maybe we said it last week, um, what is the single best interpretation for scripture? Scripture. Scripture. Right. So your devotional life in another place can and often will be informative to your time in the passage. So I think both are both. It's a both and as well. I think that's a both and. Okay. As well, so. I just, I, I have found my preaching is richer when it comes from a place of it being my devotional life and my Without meditation. Question. Right. Right. That's a, that's a Puritan thing too. Yeah. I'm checking all the boxes, but I mean, that's experiential preaching, right? It's not just what you've gleaned mm -hmm. intellectually from the text, mm -hmm. but how it's it's transformative, right? Right. Of course, right. without question, because I can't expect it to be transformative to the people I'm preaching it to if it isn't transformative to me. Right. Absolutely. No question. No question. Absolutely. So. All right. So let me ask you uh, a question. Um, thinking about on ramps, like ways in, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll use. Um, I'm going to ask an an occasional question, and I'm going to ask a, a textual question. So let's start with the occasional question. Um, uh, you were talking about the Puritans and their use of occasion to launch them into meditation. Mm -hmm. um, is there an occasion for our congregation that they can have an eye out for thinking about meditation? Say, all right, this is an occasion. I'm going to use that to launch me into meditation. So um, let me start by saying this. The reason the Puritans value this is because they saw Jesus doing it. Okay. So um, I say that because they look at Jesus's earthly ministry and they think he's uh, traveling, he's encountering people or situations, and he's allowing those situations to be opportunities for ministry. Mm -hmm. um, so he's not, he doesn't have a schedule to keep that's keeping him from doing the work of ministry. Okay. Now in, in our world, that's nearly impossible for almost everyone right, right? schedules um, we have schedules yeah. and we have expectations and we're charged to keep them and that's right. that's that's honoring your commitment so mm -hmm. that's a good christian thing to do yeah. but i i think it's important to keep that in mind that's kind of the framework behind it um i think you have to create those those okay. you don't create the occasion because that's disingenuous you create the opportunity for the occasion right take a walk mm. right Build something into your schedule where you're taking a walk outside once in a while. Okay. Um, or build something in your schedule where you're just taking some time away from what you're doing, right? What do you do when you have yeah. lunch? Yeah. Uh, do you stay in the same room? Do you go somewhere? Try try changing it up to look for something different to interact with, mm -hmm. right? Or, or different people to interact with. Yeah. I, that's probably the best thing I could say to that. I think you... But again... You're going to ask the textual question. It's built on your grounding in the in the regular practiced intentional yeah. devotion. So that that does it leads to the text question. That's really good advice, by the way. Is create the opportunity for you to enter into meditation. Um, now, where where are some natural entry points for people who say I've never really meditated on the text before? Um, you know, where would you recommend somebody say, Hey, all right, start here. This is an easy like. 
don't go to the middle of Ezekiel, right? Mm -hmm. Like where are some natural, easy ways in for people who, who are practicing this for the first time? So like the, like prayer, I think the Psalms are a fantastic entry point. Um, I know Pastor Ken's a big fan of this, and I think we mentioned it not that long ago, but a, a really good tool for this is given in a little book on praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. We've plugged that book before. Right. Part of that model is to say that Whitney would look at the 150 Psalms, and based on the day and the month he was in, he would read five Psalms spread out that way. So he would read Psalm 1 on the first day of the month, and then he would add 30 days to it. 31, oh, okay. 61, 91, 121, right? So what you get is the different diversity of the entire yeah, collection would. of the Psalms, My right? goodness. Because they're often broken. We often see them broken up into five books. They're in five books. So, Those five books so, overlay over five time periods. Right. And it's a whole thing. There's, yeah. there's a lot of different emphases in those different yep. books and different theological points brought up. So you're going to get a great sort of... Um, swath of psalms by reading it in that approach from that approach but i've practiced this before and one of the things that resonates with me is if i can take the time to read five psalms quickly prayerfully i find that the lord will bring one of those psalms almost always resonates with me there you go if i'm sensitive to the spirit something in one of those psalms makes me go oh and i almost know it right away like I, it could be the first psalm, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna read the other four, but I'm pretty sure I yeah. know where I'm gonna slow down yeah. here. Um, but it, something, if you're sensitive and you're prayerful, you know, if if you're seeking to meditate on the Word of God, the Lord is gonna honor that, mm. and you know, it's gonna, mm. it's gonna, and He's gonna move in your heart in some way. It may not be the clouds parting; you have to, you have to be sensitive and aware of that. Uh, but something in that, and it's usually a portion of a psalm, yeah. so it's a small portion that my, my something tugs at me and I go, oh yeah, or I'm convicted or I'm just moved or I'm touched. I'm just, and I go back and I just read that Psalm. And, and, you know, you're reading, you're reading those verses. Now you've read it. So I read the Psalm again, I get a little context, but I'm also thinking what, what are these verses saying? And some of the old practices are useful. Sometimes you can read the verse by putting an emphasis on a different word every time you read it to try and think about you know, if I had 10 people in the room, they might read it 10 different ways sure, and emphasis sure. matters or something like that to try and help you think about different ways to hear this word. Um, and, you know, um, by the way, reading it out loud uh, yeah. is critically important. Yes. You're, you're allowing yourself not just to see it with your eyes, but to articulate it with your mouth and to hear it with your ears. Your whole face is involved, you might say. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, you absolutely want to read it out loud because what mm -hmm. it does is it, um, you know, it's, it is it is poetry. And this is why I love the, the Psalms as an entry point. Is poetry, and when spoken out loud, it, it has the opportunity to become an earworm, mm -hmm. right? So um, for people that don't know what an earworm is, when you have a song stuck in your head, mm -hmm. that's, we call that an earworm. It's just, it's it gets in there and it sticks and and you find yourself humming it through the day. Which is a form of meditation exactly because it's in there right so now apply that concept to the psalms you've spoken it out loud you spent time with it and now through the day that phrase you were meditating on and that's at least that's how it is for me it's normally a phrase mm -hmm. or or a concept that comes out of it that i just sit there and chew on all day um it comes back it just and the lord um knows what your day is going to be 
Sure. Mm-hmm. So he that may be something that's going to be very helpful for you mm-hmm. in in a small way or a big way later in that day. And mm-hmm. so I think the Psalms are huge. I think Proverbs is also a good entry point just because it's uh, they're very practical. You know, as soon as you're going in through the day, there's there's maybe something that jumps out and you go, oh, I'm going to that's a good principle. That's a good wisdom principle I'm going to carry with me today. Mm-hmm. Um, anything in the New Testament that you think might be a, a, a place to go? I know that this uh, past week, one of the things that um, our call to worship uh, in New Pulse was from John 17. Okay. Because I think the charge that God levels through his, to his people in Hosea is that there's no knowledge of God. That's mm. one of the primary charges, right? There's no, no, no steadfast love, no faithfulness, and no knowledge of God. My people perish for lack of knowledge, it says in chapter 4. Um, and that's just not head knowledge, that's experiential knowledge, just to be very, very clear about that. But it's knowledge nonetheless. And so when I, I was thinking about that, I, I just felt very compelled to use uh, John 17, because that's Jesus's prayer, that they yeah. would have eternal life. And what is eternal life? That they would know you. And, I, and I've been spending some time with that, because I think it's our propensity to think of eternal life as just that. It's life eternal. I get to do what I want forever. Right. But heaven is the never exhausted growing in the knowledge of God in his manifest presence without any sin to clutter or weaken or, or corrupt our, our, our taking in of those. We're still creatures, mm-hmm. uh, we're finite, but we're without sin. And so we're knowing him yes. for all eternity, which is critically important as a fundamental definition of what eternal life is. Absolutely. So Otherwise, th- it things like that, I think, are, are, you know, I think, I think, you know, those are really important. I mean, I think you could read from Philippians and talk about, you know, Jesus coming down and taking on flesh. That 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 is a critical understanding of the incarnation. So, so theological topics are are helpful. Yeah. Romans eight, I think, is a fantastic passage. Any any no number question. of sections from Romans eight would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Colossians one, Colossians Romans one. eight, mm-hmm. uh, Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. Philippians to like there's there are these passages yeah. um, and then spending time just with Jesus in the Gospels like you said John is a great one to meditate through because sure. All the he has some um, theological concepts in there that are dense mm-hmm. and to just sit with those you know it's it's not as I don't I don't it's a little bit of a rabbit hole it's not as story driven as the Synoptic Gospels no um, you no, really the just timeline jumps around right it's yeah. it's much more um, thematic and conceptual right than the than yeah. the Synoptic so it's yeah. a great place to go for meditation yeah. there's more room for allegory in the Gospels oh, right? yeah because the imagery light and darkness that the parallels right the the are, are big there and that we see that in his shorter letters and in Revelation Absolutely. Which, of course, Revelation, I think, very much so. We, we talked about this last week. What's a good place to meditate on Revelation? Yeah. Revelation 1, yeah. and the image of Just the Son of Man, the it. glorified Christ. Or, yeah. or Revelation, Revelation 21, 21 and 22, 22 where it. you're like, this is what I look forward to. This is this is my vision. Like This is this is the great hope, and this is what's going to happen. Right? Amen. Like, sure, there's just tons of them. That actually leads me to something else, which I, I, I have a picture of here in my phone, because uh, I'm not that good. Um, again, with the Puritans, and I know this is going to sound hokey and people are going to go, oh my gosh. But one of the things they did was uh, meditating not just on specific verses, but on theological truths. Okay. So they would frame them by systematics because yeah. that's just, they were that way. So when they think about things like um, 
prolegomena, which is just a fancy word that means the things that come before, like eschatology is the things, the last things. Mm -hmm. And in systematics, they use this word prolegomena. First things. First things, really, right? right? So they have like the sacred sacred word of God. And I have this little... um, I have a big, big book in my office called Puritan Theology. So it's it's a big tome written. That surprises no one. Yeah, that you have that book. That's we we knew, we knew that book existed in your study. I'm just wondering if the audience can feel the eyes that I am I'm giving Marcos a dirty look right now. No, but in the book, in so, the big, so, massive so this, Puritan so book. It's a, it's a book written on the Puritans by Beaky and uh, Mark, uh, f- uh, one of his assistants. Uh, so I forget the other guy's yeah. name. Sorry. Um, anyway, in there, they talk they talk about meditation, and they, they, they list a number of Puritans, not a ton of them, but various subjects. So the Word of God, uh, there's three Puritans that they can note that have written on it, the defense of Christianity, so like apologetics. Um how about the nature and attributes of God or the works and providence of God, the glory of God as man's chief end. So another tool for, for um, meditation could be the use of the catechisms as long as you're yeah. pairing it with the word of God well, because those gives us concepts and structures. Yeah. So they're useful tools. The mercies of God, the majesties of God, God as creator, God as redeemer. Like subjects of this mm-hmm. nature are helpful um, ways to think about that, the sinfulness of sin, our personal sin, the corruption and deceitfulness of our own hearts, um, the vanity of man. You can certainly spend some time in Ecclesiastes and think about, oh, yeah. about that. Uh, the, uh, what about our soul, the immortality of our soul, the frailty of our body, the uncertainty of earthly comforts? Uh, I think that's important because we get very mm-hmm. comfortable in mm-hmm. them. Uh, it's helpful for us to think about Revelation 21 and 22, about the end Right, right. The, the, fr- the fragility of life, uh, the differences between God and man, uh, just in terms of, of Christology or Christ, the passion and death of Christ, the love of Christ, the person of Christ, the mystery and work of the, and wonder of the gospel, the natures, plural of Christ, mm-hmm. like thinking about some of these things, the offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king, his life, the states of Christ, and his humility and his exaltation. I mean, you, I, I can read, there's a lot yeah. more here, but you, and if anyone's interested in that, by all means, you can email me and I will send you a copy of that. There's there a ton, there's a ton more of them, yeah. but it's just a, so another way of thinking of it is to think topically, um, but topically grounded and informed in scripture. And, yeah. you know, so this is just a, a let me say it again, a, a plug for uh, these tools, but also the, the, our confessional world yeah. is, is just a very useful... The catechisms uh, are really helpful, they're, they're particularly helpful. as they're provided in the EPC because it comes with all of the scripture references yeah. attached to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, just for people who are, who are wanting to get into this Christian meditation, you know, there's really... Think about these three different things. I'm going to add a fourth in a second as a way of closing, but, um, you know, think occasionally create space for the opportunity to meditate and it comes out of the scriptures. So you got to be rooted there. Um, but then occasional, um, the text itself, meditate on the actual text Mm -hmm. and then theologically meditate, you know, meditate on these ideas. And, and yes, there's these lists like, uh, that the Puritans had also the catechisms. I think I would add one more thing too. You're going to add something, but let me just add this. All right. So here's number four, right? Sorry. sorry, Here's number four. Um, we tend to think of meditation as something we do by ourselves. But mm-hmm. I think you can do meditation in the company of other believers. Okay. You can have conversation and cultivate a deeper thinking about something. 
Um, so spiritual you know, conversation is a form of meditation. It's if it's not a form of meditation, it's a form that cultivates better meditation. Okay. Right. Okay. So I'm yeah. talking with others and going, Hey, I've not thought about this like that. Now I want to take that into my time yeah. of meditation. So I think that's a very helpful. That's good. Well, and that, that leads into the one I was going to add in, which is uh, meditate according to the calendar. You know, so there are certain moments in the life of the church that can aid our meditation. Mm -hmm. And we've got one coming up next week, which is the Ash Wednesday service that's happening. And so, um, you know, that is an opportunity to meditate and to allow that worship service to cultivate your your meditation. The whole Lenten season can be cultivated around meditation Mm -hmm. um, in specific areas, according to specific topics, specific passages. And so utilizing the calendar this way can also be very enriching. So there's lots of entry points for people who are wanting to learn how to do this. And I encourage people to take meditation really seriously as a spiritual discipline. If you're thinking about the calendar as something that you struggle with, because maybe you see it as having too much tradition, um, my encouragement to that would be, to use Ash Wednesday, for example, is instead of thinking about the tradition, struggling with the tradition, think about what the ashes mean. Yeah. Right? It means dying to self and living to Christ, right? It's a it's a symbol of that. And, you know, we're not prophets, but, you know, one of the things that uh, you and I talked about this uh, before we started our Not So Minor Prophets series, and I spent a few minutes with it in our opening sermon with Hosea, like the idea of sign act, not everything the prophets yeah. do is words. Some of it is is image. You know, I thought about, uh, uh, Jeremiah smashing the piece of pottery as an mm-hmm. exercise of, of mm-hmm. judgment, illustration beyond repair. He smashes it, right? Things yeah. like that, right? So, uh, carrying the 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 yoke, the oxen yoke. There's these all these images. Isaiah right? walked around naked for three years. He did. He walked around naked for three years. I mentioned that one as well, yeah. actually. In yeah. So did I. That was but, a, uh, yeah. Like a uh, a lot of those kind of things, right? Um, and we're not prophets, but the symbolism is key, right? So for those who would, who would get who would get ashes in the morning and and walk with it all day, it's it's a way of saying I am endeavoring to declare that I'm trying to die to myself, which really is an accountability right. thing, and yes. that's that's a useful tool, right? Absolutely. So, well, I hope this has been helpful. Um, you know, as you as you think through your own walk with the Lord and and a way to grow in your your discipleship, um, meditation is key for this. Yeah, I man. really hope people take that seriously. And so, thank you for being with us today. We're gonna talk about more fun things next week. We'll be back, and uh, that's it for now. This All has right. been season fourteen, episode four or five or something. Four. I'm pretty sure this is four. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week at Good Will Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff DiMatti. Marcos Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci and Jeff DiMatti. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week.